السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمدا عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد إن شاء الله تعالى today we're going to continue with our تفسير of سورة البروج but before we begin um, two quick announcements the first is that alhamdulillah the brothers uh, at my local masjid were able to change the tafsir slot page by page uh, the tafsir program that inshallah all the tafsir series that we started or well, that started uh, last week uh, in terms of being uploaded and released and inshallah ta'ala that's now going to instead of on the tuesday will be on a monday so just so that it doesn't clash with qp so if you remember last week we had a slightly shorter lesson because of because of that, so alhamdulillah, that's uh, inshallah ta'ala not going to clash anymore. So for those of you that want to attend both, inshallah, it's not an issue of having to choose between one or the other. That's the first thing. And the second thing also then is uh, this weekend, uh, the clocks change in the UK. So we go into winter time. So our clocks go back by one hour. So from next week, inshallah ta'ala, next Tuesday onwards, QP will be at 8 p.m. UK time instead of 8.30 p.m. UK time. So it'll be 8 p.m. UK time. So for those of you in the UK, that's a half an hour difference. Like we just go back to 8 p.m. And as for those of you abroad, then you'll have to make the adjustment uh, in terms of the clock change as well. Um, but uh, I think that should be relatively easy for you to find that just online. And inshallah, 8 p.m. UK from next week is when QP will then be henceforth, inshallah ta'ala, from here on or from next week on, inshallah ta'ala. So last week we covered two verses, uh, verses 8 and 9 of Surah Al-Buruj and we are still speaking about the portion of the Surah which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was referring to the people of Al-Khudud or the, the story of the people of the, of the ditch or the trench, Ashab Al-Khudud. And we mentioned that the Ashab Al-Khudud, uh, the scholars of Tafsir differed and they had a number of positions concerning exactly who that's referring to. So you have the famous story that is mentioned in the narration in Sahih Muslim of the Prophet about the story of the king and the sorcerer and the boy. And then you have other narrations also. And either way, whichever one it is or all of them, if it applies to them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions them and what took place with them and how Allah Azza wa Jal, uh, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a witness over everything that they have done. In the verses that we took last week, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that they were only punished, were only the only thing that, the, or the only reason for which they were tortured and punished, the only criticism that the people had of them, meaning these believers that were tortured and punished, was their belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah Azza wa mentioned two of his names alongside that verse, Al-Aziz Al-Hamid, that Allah is all-powerful, almighty, that Allah Azza wa is worthy of all praise subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we said that Al-Aziz is mentioned to show that Allah Azza wa has all power, all ability, all might subhanahu wa ta'ala. Meaning that had he wished, he could have protected those believers. Had he wished, he could have saved them from that torture that they faced. Had he wished, Allah Azza wa could have made them victorious over their enemies. But that's why you find in the Quran stories of prophets and others whom Allah Azza wa gives to them victory in this dunya as well as in the akhirah. So the stories of the prophets Nuh and Hud and Shu'ib and, and Salih and others, including our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that Allah Azza wa gave them victory in the dunya 
as well as obviously the victory that they will have on Yawm Al-Qiyamah in the Akhirah. But then there are believers that don't have the dunya victory in that sense, in the sense that we will think of victory in the conventional sense. But Allah Azza wa Jal gives to them a different type of victory. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, had he wished, he could have protected them. But Allah Azza wa Jal sometimes decrees that certain people won't be protected. Certain people will, will face difficulty and torture, just as they did from amongst the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Some of them were killed, as we know. Some of them martyred, as we know. Some of them went through a great deal of harm and difficulty, as we know. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees both. However, the victory that matters, that will always be for the believers. And Al-Hamid, that Allah Azza wa is worthy of praise. And that is because the believers constantly praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're always in the praise of Allah Azza wa even in the times of difficulty, even in hardship. And so look at how these believers are being punished and tortured, thrown into a ditch of fire, being burnt alive. And that is one of the most difficult, most heinous ways of being tortured or harmed. Yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala still describes them indirectly as being people who praise Allah Azza wa Jalla. And that's why he mentions the name Al-Hamid, that Allah is always worthy of all praise. Because the believer knows that even in the most difficult and trying of circumstances, Allah Azza wa Jalla is the one who decreed it. And Allah only decrees what is good for the believers. Allah wanted good for them. And Allah Azza wa Jalla wanted to save them in terms of the adab or the punishment of the hereafter. And Allah Azza wa Jalla wanted to increase them in good deeds and raise their station and expiate their sins. So Allah decreed upon them something that would allow them to reach the highest of levels. And uh, then we mentioned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that to him belongs the dominion of the heavens and the earth and Allah Azza wa Jal is a witness of all things. So in today's uh, episode or today's lesson rather, we continue from verse 10 onwards. And in verse 10, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إن الذين فتنوا المؤمنين والمؤمنات ثم لم يتوبوا فلهم فلهم عذاب جهنم ولهم عذاب الحريق Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in verse number 10, he says, For those who persecute the believing men and the believing women and do not repent afterwards, they will be the torment of hellfire and burning. That's the translation of Professor Abdul Harim in Sahih International. Indeed, those who have tortured the believing men and believing women and then have not repented will have the punishment of how fire and they will have the punishment of the burning fire. Mufti Taqi, surely those who persecuted the believing men and the believing women then did not repent for them is the torment of Jahannam and for them is the torment of burning. And Muhsin Khan, verily those who put into trial the believing men and believing women and then in brackets by torturing them and burning them, close brackets, and then do not turn in repentance to Allah, then they will have the torment of hell and they will have the punishment of the burning fire. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this verse, verse number 10, Allah Azza wa Jal now speaks about the, uh, speaks or, or concludes almost uh, this story, is coming to the conclusion of the story of the people of Khudud. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Indeed those, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ فَتَنُوا الْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ those who persecute, those who harm, those who torture, those who put to test and trial, meaning for the for their religion, because of their belief, because of their religion, that is what the word fatanu means. In the linguistic sense, the fitna is a trial and a test. 
obviously in this particular context is referring to the punishment, the persecution, the burning alive. And that's why Imam al-Bukhari, rahimahullah ta'ala, in his sahih, in, his, in the tafsir of this verse, he said, fatanu The word fatanu, which literally means to test and try, means to punish. And others said, harraqu, that they burned. That the word fatanu means that they burnt them and they and they, and they uh, tortured them. And this was a statement, uh, this was the statement of Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma and Mujahid and Qatada and Al-Dahaq and Ibn Abza and a number of the scholars of Tafsir. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that he, that these people were tried and tested because of their faith. And Al-Imam Al-Tabari rahimahullah ta'ala, he says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ ابْتُلُوا أَوْ إِنَّ الَّذِينَ ابْتَلَوُوا الْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ بِاللَّهِ بِتَعْذِيبِهِمْ وَحِرَاقِهِمْ بِالنَّارِ they are those who test and try the believing men and women who believed in Allah Azza wa Jal by punishing them and throwing them or burning them in the fire. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this verse number one, he calls it a fitna. And Allah Azza wa Jal elsewhere in the Quran, when he speaks about this term fitna or the concept of fitna, Allah Azza wa Jal mentions that sometimes a fitna for the believer can be good and sometimes it can be bad. Sometimes a person is trusted and tried with good and sometimes tested and tried with evil. Allah says in Surah Al-Anbiya, we will test and try them with good and we will test and try them with evil. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, mentions, or rather the Prophet sallallahu told us in the hadith that we're all familiar with, that the believer is tried and tested and whatever Allah decrees for the believer is always good. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests and tries people with many things. And that's what Allah Azza wa Jalla mentions in Surah Al-Baqarah: "Wa nabluwannakum bi shay'in min al-khawf wal-ju'i wa naqsin min al-amwal wal-anfusi wal-thamarat wa bashir al-sabirin." That indeed we will test and try you uh, with fear and with hunger and with the loss of life and loss of wealth and loss of provision, and then give glad tidings to the patient. "Al-ladina idha asabatu musibatun qalu inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un." Those who when some calamity or difficulty befalls them, they say to Allah, we belong to him, we shall return. Those are the ones that Allah sends his salah upon, sends his rahmah and mercy upon. And the salah of Allah, according to some of the scholars of the Salaf, such as Abu Aliya, the famous scholar of the Tabi'een, he said that the salah of Allah is that Allah mentions those people in his company, meaning Allah mentions them by name and praises them in the company that he keeps of the noble angels. And those are the people of true guidance. And so Allah Azza wa speaks about this concept here. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this verse, he also mentions that it is for both men and women. Those who try and test or punish and, and, and harm the believing men and the believing women. And we know generally in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he speaks Generally speaking, he, he always, as is the convention in many languages, uses the male uh, plural or the male form when addressing people. So, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, or uh, when Allah Azza wa Jal says, and be from amongst the Muslims, or be from amongst the Mu'mineen, or be from amongst the Sabireen, or be from amongst the Muhsineen, or be from amongst the Muttaqeen, it is always in the male form because the male includes the female form. Uh, just as we say mankind, it includes men and women. It's just the convention of most languages that they use the male form when speaking in general terms. However, and that's the same in the book of Allah Azza wa Jal. It's the same in the Quran and in the Arabic language. However, at times in the Quran, 
as we know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala specifies both men and women like Allah azza wa jal does in the uh, in in the verse in surah al-ahzab it is said that Allah the, one of the wives of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and i think it was ummu salama radiyallahu anha but i may be mistaken but she came and she said oh messenger of Allah Allah is always praising the men in the Quran doesn't speak about the women and so Allah Azza wa Jalla revealed the verse in al-muslimina wal-muslimati wal-mu'minina wal-mu'minati wal-qanitina wal-qanitati so Allah Azza wa Jalla went through the many different virtues of the believers from Islam to iman to to piety to worship to fasting and everything and Allah uses both the male and the female and then Allah Azza wa Jalla or the male and the female forms and then Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala says at the end a'adda Allahu lahum maghfiratan wa ajran 'azima and for them and Allah again uses the male for them is forgiveness and for them is a great reward to show that all of them are always included when Allah Azza wa mentions the male form. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is the convention of most languages and it would not be from eloquence if Allah Azza wa always had to mention both male and female every single time. And so from the conventions of most many languages and especially the Arabic language is that the male form is used. But sometimes Allah Azza wa mentions both specifically as Allah Azza wa Jal does, وَمَا كَانَ لِمُؤْمِنٍ وَلَا مُؤْمِنَةٍ إِذَا قَضَ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ أَمْرًا It's not befitting for the believing man or the believing woman when Allah and His Messenger decide something that they should have any choice in that matter. And that's to show in these certain things that Allah Azza wa Jal, this applies, this is something which is, which is emphasized because of its importance. So likewise here, when it comes to reward, when it comes to the worship of Allah Azza wa Jal, when it comes to people striving and sacrificing or suffering for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, both men and women are included. Those who try and test the believing men and the believing women. And sometimes it is the believing women who have more of a test and trial in terms of their deen and their religion than the believing men. Because women in our religion have to dress a certain way, they have to cover in a certain way. So they are more likely to stand out in times of hostility or in places where people are hostile, they're more likely or easily recognizable, more likely to stand out than, for example, a man. A man, even if he has a beard, can wear normal clothes and, and what have you and walk, and they're not, as, they're not going to be as, as, uh, as recognizable, if you like, as a believing woman. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions both because it is often men and women that are uh, that are tried and tested in their religion, but it is often women who often or, or, or sometimes get more of that difficulty than the men as well. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions here both of them, that they will both have their rewards, that they will have that full reward. Uh, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, ثُمَّ لَمْ يَتُوبُوا And then they don't repent. They don't repent. It is based on this particular wording, uh, the, a number of the scholars of tafsir they said that it seems and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best that it seems that these verses are not speaking about the people of Khudud anymore but rather they are general for every people who try and test the believers whichever time and place so these verses are addressing now the Quraysh of Mecca of the Prophet Sallallahu in his time because it's revealed in the Meccan period and they're the ones doing the torturing and the testing or the trying of the believers. And so Allah Azza wa is addressing them because of the word, ثُمَّ لَمْ يَتُوبُوا And then they don't repent. Because the people of Ukhtud have passed away. They've gone their opportunity to make tawbah, to turn back to Allah Azza wa to accept Islam has expired. No longer can they do that. Don't, they don't have the ability to do that anymore. So therefore the verse only 
applies to those people who still have the ability to do so, and that would be the Quraysh and anyone who comes after them, meaning anyone that then uh, comes across these verses in whichever time and place that they live in. And that's why Al-Hassan Al-Basri, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, look at the generosity and the kindness of Allah Azza wa Jal. Unzuru ila hadha al-karam wal-jood. Look at the, the kindness and the generosity of Allah Azza wa Jal. يَقْتُلُونَ أَوْلِيَاءَهُ وَيُفْتِنُونَهُمْ وَهُوَ يَدْعُوهُمْ إِلَى التَّوْبَةِ وَالْمَغْفِرَةِ They kill the awliya of Allah and they test them and they try them because of their faith and Allah still calls them towards tawbah, still calls them towards seeking forgiveness of Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so Allah Azza wa Jal says, or rather al-Hasn al-Basri rahimahullah, the famous khara of the tabi'een, he said that this is from the generosity of Allah Azza wa Jal. And this is something which you will find throughout the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As we've mentioned before, that Allah Azza wa Jal often in the Quran, if he, if he mentions, for example, a punishment of a sin, or Allah Azza wa Jal mentions the disbelievers and what they may do, or the hypocrites and the punishment that they will receive, Allah Azza wa Jal often in the context of those verses will always say, unless they make tawbah, illa tabu, unless they make tawbah, or accept those who make tawbah. And Allah Azza wa Jal always leaves that door open for them. And that's why when uh, it is said in, in, in some narrations in the cause of revelation for the verse in Surah Ali Imran after the battle of Uhud when the Prophet وسلم, was injured as we know blood was flowing from his body وسلم, one of his tooth or teeth was broken uh, and he was injured وسلم, in that battle he said how would Allah forgive a group of people who do this to their Prophet how can Allah forgive or how would Allah forgive a group of people who treat their Prophet in this way. And so Allah Azza wa revealed the verse, لَيْسَ لَكَ مِنَ الْأَمْرِ شَيْءٌ أَوْ يَتُوبَ عَلَيْهِمْ أَوْ يُعَذِّبَهُمْ فَإِنَّهُمْ ظَالِمُونَ The affair does not belong to you, whether Allah chooses to punish them or whether He chooses to accept their tawbah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that that's not your decision. Even the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam doesn't have that ability, doesn't get to make that decision. That's not something which is given to him sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It is up to Allah whether He punishes them or whether He accepts their tawbah. And how many of those people did Allah accept their tawbah from? Khalid ibn Walid was one of the generals of the Battle of Uhud in the Quraysh army. And Allah Azza wa not only accepted his tawbah, he became a Muslim and he became from the greatest generals of Islam. Abu Sufyan is someone who was in the army, the leader of the Quraysh. And Allah Azza wa accepted his tawbah and he became a Muslim. Ikrimah, the son of Abu Jahl. How many of those companions, how many of those people who were later become companions were enemies of Islam one day and then they become the companions of the Prophet and believers in Allah Azza wa Jal. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always allows that door to be open. And that's why Shaykh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shanqiti rahimahullah ta'ala, he said that it's possible that when Allah Azza wa Jal says those who tried and test the believers the believing men and the believing women, he said that it is possible that Allah is referring to the people of Uqdud, Allah is still speaking about them. And it's also possible that Allah is speaking generally for everyone, for everyone who ever harms the believers, meaning in whichever time and whichever ever place that they live in. And then he says, And the scholar of Tafsir Abu Hayyan al-Andalusi he said that the stronger position is the latter, meaning that it is a general verse as opposed to being specific to the people of uh, the people of uh, of Uqdud. 
And he says, so therefore it includes the Quraysh. And there is a warning to the Quraysh. And there is a call to the Quraysh that they should turn back to Allah Azza wa and make tawbah. And that they should be careful of that which they did to the believers of that time, such as Ammar and Bilal and Suhaib and others, radiallahu anhum ajma'een. And he says the reason why we choose this position, meaning the latter one that is general, is because Allah Azza wa Jal speaks about the uh, speaks about the issue of tawbah, as we said, because there is no tawbah for those who have already passed away and died upon kufr or disbelief, and because Allah Azza wa Jal then mentions the verse after, uh, as we will see inshallah in the next verse, verse number eleven, Allah speaks about the believers, those who have iman and those who do righteous deeds, and that is also a general verse. That's the position that he chose, rahimahullah ta'ala. And Ibn Ashur, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said something very similar. He said that it's speaking about the mushrikun of Quraysh, the, the disbelievers of Quraysh, and not the people of Ukhdud, because the people of Ukhdud cannot do thumma lam yatubu. They can't make tawbah anymore. But rather Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now referring to those who will come at the time of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa From those who tried and tested the believers. وَقَدْ he says, and from those who tried and tested the believers at the time of the Prophet is the likes of Abu Jahl, who was at the head of those who tried and tested the people of, of, uh, of Iman. He says, He was the head of the people who used to cause fitna, and he was the one who would often ignite that fitna upon the believers. And then the likes of Umayyah ibn Khalaf, and Safan ibn Umayyah, and Al-Aswad ibn Abd Yaghuth, and Al-Walid ibn Mughira, and Ummu and Mar and others from amongst those that are mentioned in the books of Sirah. And then he says, and as for those who they tested and tried of the believers, then from amongst them was Bilal ibn Rabah, the famous companion radiallahu an, who was a slave for Umayyah ibn Khalaf, who was a slave of Umayyah ibn Khalaf, and he would punish him, as we know, in the streets of Mecca, get him to lie down on the desert floor when the sun was at its highest point, and then he would place boulders upon him so that he would apostate and leave this religion. And likewise Abu Fuqayha, who was a servant of Safwan ibn Umayyah, Khabbab ibn al-Arat, radiallahu anhu, the famous companion, who was a servant or a slave of Ummu Anmar, uh, Ammar ibn Yasir and his father Yasir from amongst the men, both of them who were tortured, Yasir obviously uh, being martyred, radiallahu anhuma, and his brother Abdullah, one of them were slaves of Abu Hudayfa ibn Mughira, and Abu Hudayfa Abu gave them to Abu Jahl and he said, do with them as you please, meaning in terms of torture, because they accepted Islam. And then Amir ibn Fahira, or Fuhira, also, uh, and then from the women, was also, it is said, the mother of Bilal radiallahu anhu, her name was Hamama. She was also a slave girl to Umayyah ibn Khalaf, and another woman by the name of Zinira, and Ummu Unais, uh, and, and, and the woman that is known as An-Nahdiya, and her, and her daughter, and another woman by the name of Labina bint Fuhira, and uh, she was, it is said, the, the slave girl of Umar radiallahu anhu before he became a Muslim, and as we know, Umar radiallahu anhu before his Islam was also very harsh and stern towards the believers. And then you have Sumiyyah, the mother of Ammar ibn Yasir, who was, uh, who was also uh, tortured and martyred, as we know, at the beginning of Islam. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions them and that's why he chooses, Ibn Ashur also chooses this position that Allah Azza wa Jal is referring to uh, the people of Quraysh and not the people of Khudud necessarily. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, then says after this, after opening up or leaving open the door and the option of tawbah, 
for those people, he says, And if they do not repent, so they don't make tawbah, they don't turn back to Allah Azza wa Jal, they don't take this opportunity to turn away, turn away from their evil deeds. And by the way, one of the benefits of this verse also is that if they were to make tawbah, and they do accept tawbah, or they do accept Islam and make tawbah to Allah Azza wa Jal, then Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala wipes away their evil deeds as if they never took place. And that's an amazing concept in terms of the tawbah. As the Prophet told us Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Al-Islam ma qabla. Islam wipes away everything that came before it, meaning the new Muslim that accepts Islam for them, it wipes away everything that came before it. With tawbah to tajubbu ma qablaha. And likewise, repentance wipes away everything that came before it. And that is why Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala, from His names is that He is Al-Afu. And Al-Afu is the one who doesn't just only forgive and pardon, but he pardons to such an extent that it's as if it never took place before. It didn't take place before. Because someone may forgive, but in the Arabic language, forgiveness can also mean that you still hold it in your heart. So how often do you forgive someone when they do something wrong, but you still feel some animosity towards that person? You still feel that they did some wrong to you? Like you forgave them, but you might still remind them, or you might still make them feel bad, or even if you don't do that, you yourself in your heart still hold some of that resentment towards them. But al-afu is that you forgive and you don't hold anything. It's as if it never took place. And that is the highest level of maghfirah and, and forgiveness and, and so on. And that is why in Ramadan or in the in the last 10 nights, especially when Aisha radiallahu anha said, O Messenger of Allah, if I seek Laylatul Qadr or find Laylatul Qadr, what do I should I make? And he said, say, Allahumma innaka afuun tuhibbu al-afwa fa'fu anni. That dua that we all know and have memorized, that's the dua that he, and it centers around the name of Allah Azza wa Jalla, al-afu. And so the one who makes tawbah is as if they never did any sin. If they're sincere in their tawbah, if they turn back to Allah Azza wa Jal, they leave off that sin, they have a firm conviction that they're not going to go back towards that sin. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives as if it never took place before. And therefore the believers are told that they should also be people of afu. They should be people who forgive in that regard. When someone comes to you and they ask for your forgiveness, you should forgive them. And the best type of forgiveness is this type of forgiveness where you don't hold back. And that's something which you find amongst the Prophet ﷺ, amongst the companions. How many of those companions were tortured and persecuted? How much difficulty did they endure at the hands of those non-Muslims at that time? How many times was the Prophet ﷺ personally attacked and abused, whether verbally or physically? How many of his companions did he see being harmed? How much or how many times did they try to attack the religion of Islam and harm the Muslims? Yet when those people become Muslims and they accept Islam, the Prophet ﷺ never holds it over them. Never says to them, don't you remember who you were just yesterday or last week or what you did to us? There was never tears of companions based upon those types of issues. These companions are better because they were there at the beginning. You're a lesser companion because of even though we have, obviously, as we know, ranks amongst the companions, those who accepted before Al-Fatih are not like those who accepted after Al-Fatih and so on and so forth. Those who attended Badr are not like those who came after Badr and so on. But it's not used in that way in terms of, that's the, their, their, their uh, martaba or their station in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in terms of their reward in the Akhirah. But in terms of practical things, in terms of dealing with people, in terms of character and so on, that's not how people are treated in the lifetime of the Prophet or by the companions amongst themselves.
and so they would forgive. Can you imagine that there's someone there who killed your father, someone there who killed your son, someone there who killed your uncle, someone there who killed one of your family members, someone who stole your land and your money and your property, that the Prophet never used to say anything to them once they accepted Islam. Nor did he say anything to the likes of Abu Sufyan or Khalid ibn Walid radiallahu anhumah and others who accepted Islam and they for many years, not just once or twice, for years harmed the Muslims in one way or another. Because once they accept Islam, khalas, it's, it's finished, it's over. And so they become like brothers and the Prophet honors them. And he honors them and he does good towards them and he does, as, as we know in the seerah, does much towards those people who were once enemies of Islam and the Muslims. And that is why the Prophet ﷺ never held anything over those people. When he went ﷺ in his farewell hajj, as we know he went to on his farewell hajj, the Prophet ﷺ was asked by some of the companions or messenger of Allah in Mecca, where are you going to reside? Because they're all Meccans. All of these muhajirun, the Prophet ﷺ, Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, all of these companions are Meccans, they're muhajirun, they come from Mecca. Or messenger of Allah, where will you stay in Mecca? Where are you going to reside in Mecca before Hajj? Where are you going to sleep? Where are you going? He said, And did Aqil leave us anything in Mecca to, to, to live in? Why? Because Aqil, who's a companion, is a Muslim, the son of Abu Talib, the, the brother of Ali, and Ja'far. Aqil was the last of the children of Abu Talib to accept Islam. Ja'far was an early Muslim. Ali, as we know, was an early Muslim. They accepted Islam. So when Abu Talib died, the, the Muslim doesn't inherit from the non-Muslim, the non-Muslim doesn't inherit from the Muslim, as the Prophet told us sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So Abu Talib, what he left behind, Aqil took, because he was a non-Muslim at that time. Ali didn't take anything, Ja'far didn't take anything. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, because their abodes were shared, he was an orphan as we know, didn't take anything. No one took anything except Aqil. So the Prophet said, Did Aqil leave anything for us? But he didn't use that against him. He didn't say, I want my right. That was the ruling of the time. That's what happened at the time. That's his right now. And so the Prophet said, But rather we will go and stay where we stayed when they boycotted us. When the people of, uh, of Quraysh boycotted us and we went to a place and we stayed there, meaning when they were what we call the, the boycott that took place in the Meccan period, when socially, economically, Politically, every means the Prophet Sallallahu families of Banu Hashim and Banu Muttalib were boycotted. Muslim or non-Muslim, Abu Talib, all of them were boycotted. So they went to a place in Mecca in a valley and that's where they stayed. It's known as the Shi'b of Abu Talib. They stayed there for a number of weeks until that boycott eventually ended. He said, we will go there. That's where we, we that's, that's the place where I will go and stay. And that's where he stayed for those few days, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But the point is here that it's never held against anyone. It's never held against anyone or said against anyone. So anyway, the point being here that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he opens up the door for tawbah, it is not just a, uh, an empty statement. These aren't just empty words. And tawbah is one of the greatest uh, aspects of our religion. One of the greatest aspects of our religion is the tawbah, the door of tawbah and what it can do and how, how amazing it is. And that is why... The believer is known in Allah Yuhibbut Tawabin. Allah loves the people who are frequently making tawbah because that is how the believer should be always making tawbah. Because every day we sin and every day we do wrong. And Allah loves that people recognize the wrong that they do and they constantly turn back to Allah making tawbah often. And so the people of tawbah 
Allah cleanses their hearts and Allah purifies their souls and Allah blesses their actions and you can see the people of Tawbah who constantly make Tawbah and those people who are sincere in that Tawbah every time Allah helps them and Allah gives them His divine aid subhanahu wa ta'ala But these people, they don't repent Then what? Then they will have the, the punishment of Jahannam, of the hellfire and the punishment of burning the punishment of burning the punishment of the halfway and the punishment of the burning, the scholars of tafsir here ask the question, is it one and the same or are these two different things that are being referred to? Is it one and the same because the halfway is fire and contains burning or is it two different things because Allah Azza wa Jal says it twice فَلَهُمْ عَذَابُ جَهَنَّمْ وَلَهُمْ عَذَابُ الْحَرِيقِ For them is the punishment of the fire, for them is the punishment of burning. And Imam Al-Qurtubi Rahimahullah Ta'ala, he said the second one refers to the burning that they faced in the dunya. As we said, is one of the statements of Ibn Abbas and Qatad and others that that fire that they used to torture the believers came and then tortured them as well. Or I think it was, was it Qatada or maybe Rabi' ibn Anas, but one of the Tabi'een was of that position. And so they said that this verse therefore fits in with that. Fits in with that and that is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give to them or, or burnt those people or punish those people in dunya. So the second adab is the dunya adab. The burning is the punishment of the fire in this world and then they will have the punishment of the fire in the akhirah which is the punishment of the hellfire or jahannam. Another said it is an addition it is an addition of punishment in the hellfire. وَلَهُمْ عَذَابُ الْحَرِيقِ فِي الْآخِرَةِ عَذَابٌ زَائِدٌ عَلَىٰ أَذَابِ كُفْرِهِمْ That they will be punished and tortured even more in the fire because of the greater evil that they did. Meaning that the, as we know, the just as the people of Jannah, in terms of the blessings of Jannah, are not equal. People have more rewards. There are grades and levels of Jannah People have more reward, people have less reward. And that is well known and established in the many hadith of the Prophet ﷺ in the Sunnah. And that's why whether it's the hadith of Al-Firdaus Al-A'la being the highest level of Jannah or the hadith of the last man to ever enter into Jannah and what he will have which will be the least of reward. We have a number of hadith that speak about levels and, and, and therefore differing levels of rewards in Jannah. So likewise in the fire we have a number of hadith that also speak about different levels of punishment in the fire. From them is the verse of the Qur'an, uh, verses and hadith from them is the verse concerning the hypocrites that the hypocrites will be in the lowest depths of the fire. So that's like a level of, of punishment that others that are above them in higher levels won't have. The Prophet said in the hadith, uh, I think of Anas radiallahu he said that the person who will have the least punishment of the fire is the one that the fire will reach up to his ankles or in one wording he will be made to wear sandals of fire and because of it even though he only reaches up to his ankles it will boil his brain it will boil his brain meaning that the whole body is covered in or the whole body experiences that punishment but the fire only reaches his ankles 
And the hadith of Abu Talib, when Abbas عنه, said, Oh, Messenger of Allah, Abu Talib used to defend you. He did a great deal of good towards you. What did you do for him? He said, I will intercede for my uncle Abu Talib so that Allah will take him and place him on the edges of the fire by which he will have one of the least types of punishment. But he will still be punished in the fire for eternity. But he will have one of the lesser forms of punishment. And were it not for my intercession, he would have been in his depths. And so therefore there are different levels also. So this position is that there is a adabun za'id. There is another level of punishment. So the disbelievers, all of them enter the fire. But are all of them equal in terms of punishment? The, the sunnah seems to show, and Allah knows best, that there are levels, that the punishment of some of them will be greater than others because, and all of them are being burned for eternity. All of them are in constant agony and pain and all of those things. All of that applies to them. But some of them may have further punishment, which is the position of some of the scholars, I think Ibn Atiyah, also agreed with this position or mentioned this position anyway and Al-Qurtubi mentions it here and Allah Azza wa knows best and that's why some of the scholars of tafsir such as Ibn Atiyah and such as Al-Qurtubi said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he mentions uh, these names Al-Hariq is a name from the names of the fire like Al-Sa'ir Al-Sa'ir is a name from the names of the fire so they say that these are different levels names of different levels of the fire and so when Allah Azza just says that they will have Jahannam, Jahannam is the name for the hellfire entering into all of it. Jahannam is the name for the whole thing. But within it, there are different levels and there are different places, just like we have Al-Firdaus, right? just like we have Al-Firdaus. Then likewise in Jahannam, there are names for different levels. So Al-Hariq is one of those levels. Al-Sa'ir is one of those levels. This is one position that you will find among some of the scholars of Tafsir. Another said no. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a name of the names of the fire or, or, or level of the levels of the fire, but it is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is punishing them uh, or describing their punishment in this way because it is like for like that which they did to the believers in the dunya. They punished them by burning flames as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, mentions, as, as we said towards the beginning of this surah, An-Nari Dhatil Waqood, that it is a, a fire of flames that are constantly being uh, stoked and constantly ablaze, then likewise they would have adabul hariq, a constant punishment of also burning and of fire. Uh, and this is, I think, the position that Ibn Ashur rahimullah ta'ala chose that it is mudaaf or tawkid lafli, that it is just emphasis. Adabul hariq is emphasis of adabul jahannam. Um, and it could be, as he said, uh, an, an extra punishment, like a, a double punishment. So either it's just a linguistic thing, just to emphasize their punishment and how grave it will be, or it is that they will have an extra punishment. As Allah Azza wa Jal says in Surah Al-Nahl, الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا وَصَدُّوا عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ زِدْنَاهُمْ عَذَابًا فَوْقَ الْعَذَابِ Those who disbelieve and prevent others from the path of Allah, we will increase them punishment upon punishment. Right? And so Allah Azza wa Jal is saying, that there will be extra punishment for those people. And it's possible, he says, that they will be punished in other than the fire. So they're being punished in, for example, the grave, or they're being punished before uh, Yawm Al-Qiyamah in the dunya. All of these are possibilities. But the point is that Allah Azza wa Jal says that the people who do this don't think that they've escaped injustice, don't, uh, justice. Don't think that they've escaped the counting of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But Allah Azza wa Jal will punish them. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will hold them to account for that which they for that which they did. And so those people won't escape. And Allah Azza wa Jal will 
hold them to account on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And so this surah speaks about a group of people that their justice didn't come to them in the dunya because they died, those believers that were the, thrown in the Ukhtud, in the trenches. They didn't see any justice in the dunya. They didn't see any victory in the dunya. They didn't see an army of angels come or the divine punishment of Allah descend upon those people who harmed them. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, don't think that they escaped. Those people will have the punishment of the hellfire. And that one, unlike the one that is in the dunya, will be for eternity. And they will constantly be therein until or forever for eternity. In verse number 11, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ لَهُمْ جَنَّاتٌ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارُ ذَلِكَ الْفَوْزُ الْكَبِيرُ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse number 11, the translation of Sahih International, indeed those who have believed and in righteous deeds will have gardens beneath which rivers flow, that is the great attainment. O Mufti Taqi, as for those who believed and did righteous deeds, for them are gardens, or for them there are gardens beneath which rivers flow, that is the big achievement. And Professor Abdul Halim, but for those who believe and do good deeds, there will be gardens graced with flowing streams, that is the great triumph. And Muhsin Khan, verily those who believe and do righteous good deeds, for them will be gardens under which rivers flow, meaning paradise, that is the great success. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this verse, he then speaks about the believers. And he speaks about the people of Iman. And Allah Azza wa Jal speaks about them in a general way. So just as the previous verse, as we said, a number of the scholars of tafsir wrote the position that is general concerning not just the people of Khudud, but all of those who harm the believers at any time and any place and test and try them because of their faith. <coughs> and then they die upon that without making tawbah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, for them will be the fire. So now Allah Azza wa speaks about the believers. Remember we said a short while ago that Allah Azza wa in the Quran when he speaks about oppression to the believers speaks about it in two ways. Number one is that Allah gives to them victory in the dunya as well. Allah gives to them victory in the dunya and obviously they will have their victory on Yawm Al-Qiyamah in Jannah. But he gives them victory in the dunya and that's something which you see commonly in the, uh, in the stories of the prophets that are mentioned in the Quran. The story of Nuh. The story of Hud, the story of Salih, the story of Shu'ib, the story of Lut, the story of Musa, and even the story of our Messenger or our Prophet So you see Allah's clear victory coming to them as Allah mentions in the Quran. And as we will inshallah ta'ala see in more detail as we progress through the tafsir of the Quran. And then there is a second group of people like these people of Khudud that don't find victory in the dunya. And they are mentioned in narrations in the Sunnah as well, whether individuals or groups of people that were punished and tortured and they died and they didn't see the victory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They met their end before that victory came or the victory doesn't come in that conventional sense for that nation or for that group of people. So for example, we had prophets of Allah as we know that were killed, murdered, as, as Allah mentions in the Quran, that they were from the people of Bani Israel, those who used to kill their prophets. They used to kill their prophets. And as the Prophet told us وسلم, in some ahadith as well about the killing and murder of the prophets. And so therefore they, this is something which, which where the Prophet doesn't get that divine aid then, doesn't see that divine uh, victory from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in terms of the dunya. But whether it's the first group or the second group, whether they saw that victory or they didn't see that victory, 
Allah Azza wa Jal says the victory that truly matters still belongs to them. Because there is victory in the dunya and victory in the akhirah. What Allah guarantees for the people of Iman is the second, not the first. He guarantees for them that they will have ultimate victory, that they will have ultimate success, and that is the success of the akhirah. Allah doesn't guarantee that every believer will find success in the dunya. He guarantees that his religion will be uppermost subhanahu wa ta'ala, yes. But that is generally speaking across across all of time until Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Not that for every time and every place and for every person and for every Muslim, that that is something which they will see. And that's why you find in the seerah of the Prophet companions that were killed, companions that were martyred, companions that were tortured, companions that were persecuted, companions that were harmed. And many of them, or a good number of them, didn't even see the, the, the culmination or the end result of Islam and the message of the Prophet is Prophet. They didn't live to see that. And there were a number of them. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this uh, in the Quran. And so Allah Azza wa Jal here, He speaks about those people who are successful in the greatest success that matters. And look at how this verse is mentioned here in the context, and it is the only time, as far as I know, in the Quran. In which Allah Azza wa Jal speaks about a people who are tortured and persecuted and die and still cause it success because of this principle that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to establish. So, amanu, those who have Iman, meaning they believe in Allah Azza wa Jal, salihat, and they do good deeds, meaning they fulfill the obligations that are upon them and they worship Allah Azza wa Jal and they obey Him, they will have Jannah. Lahum Jannatun Tajri min Anhar. Al-Imam Al-Tabari rahimahullah ta'ala, he says that indeed those who believe in the Tawheed of Allah and they are those who in this, in this surah were banned from the people of the Khudud for their belief in Allah Azza wa Jal and other than them in Sa'idi Ahli Tawheed and again he also is taking the position that it is a general verse other than them for more of the people of Tawheed so they have Iman الصالحات, and they do good deeds meaning they he says they, they, they obey Allah Azza wa Jal and they fulfill the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they stay away from the prohibitions of Allah Azza wa Jal. Allah Azza wa Jal says for them there are gardens into which rivers flow, meaning in the akhirah. They will have the reward of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They will have that which Allah Azza wa Jal has prepared for the believers. They will have that which is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so they will be given the gardens of Allah Azza wa Jal and the reward of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah Azza wa Jal says, That is true success or the ultimate success or the greatest triumph. So this is what we are seeing here. So Allah Azza wa Jal mentions two types of success in the Quran. The first is success, but it is a smaller success. And the second is the greatest of success. Those who die upon Iman and good deeds they will have the ultimate success, even if they don't find the lesser successes of the dunya. Because success can be measured in many different ways. You have success, which is the military type of success. You have political success. You have financial success. You have family success. You have many different types of successes. However, the one that is most important to the believer is the success on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. To, to have Allah's pleasure, to have Allah's mercy, to have Allah's Jannah, to have no punishment on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. That is the greatest of success. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, this is what you should focus on. 
This is where you should put all of your strength and all of your time and all of your commitment to find that success. Because if you were to find every success of the dunya, but to lose that success of the akhirah, then you have failed. And if you were to miss every success of the dunya, but attain the one of the akhirah, then you are still successful. And so that is why in, in the narrations that we mentioned a couple of weeks back about the story of the Khudud, we said that some of the wording of the hadith or the narrations that are mentioned, mention that woman who at the end hesitates about being thrown into the fire or, or falling into the fire because they're given options, as we said, either leave your religion apostate or fall into the fire. So as she comes, she hesitates because she has a child in her arms. And the child says to her, Oh, my mother, be firm for you are upon the truth. And so that is true success, because otherwise uh, success can be measured in many different ways. But the believer is told that the greatest of success and true success is that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives to the people of Iman and the people of righteous deeds. And it is the success of the Akhirah, the success of Jannah. And that is what Imam ibn Kathir, rahimahullah ta'ala, he says, see how Allah azza wa in this verse says, ذَلِكَ الْفَوْزُ الْكَبِيرُ and that is in contrast to what Allah mentions in the previous verse concerning the disbelievers. For them, they're told, you will have the punishment of Jahannam. And you will have the punishment of being in Jahannam and being burned therein forever. As for the believers, they're told, you will have the greatest of success. And so anyone that enters into Jannah and all of the believers will eventually enter into Jannah then they will have the greatest of success once they are into Jannah. And that's why the believer should understand this and they should remember this and this should be something central that they remind themselves of every single day. Every day we try to work towards Jannah, come closer to Jannah, come closer to the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his reward. Every day is a path that takes you or, or, or an opportunity to take you closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his reward. And that's why Imam Ahmad Taala, when he was asked, when can the believer rest? He said, when he puts his right foot into Jannah. Because that is when success is. And his son, the son of Imam Ahmad Taala, he mentions that when my father was on his deathbed, he would sometimes, because he was unconscious and he was, he was unwell in his final illness, he would wake up at times and he would look towards the end of the room and he would say, not yet, not yet. And my son says the only people in the room were me and him, no one else. And he did this a few times. So I said, oh, my father, who are you speaking to? Who are you talking to? There's no one here except me and you. Who are you saying to? Not yet, not yet. He said, I see in front of me shaitan, Iblis. And he's saying to me, oh, Ahmed, you've escaped me. You've won. You escaped. I wasn't able to overcome you. And I'm saying to him, not yet, not yet, meaning I'm still living. You don't know what's going to happen until the last moment. You don't know what's going to take place. So I'm saying to him, not yet, not yet, meaning that I don't want to give up now. I'm not just going to rest now until Allah Azza wa takes my soul. And so that is how the believer is because the Prophet told us, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in the hadith that from the signs of Yawm Al-Qiyamah is that a person will wake up, يصبح مؤمنا ويمسي كافرا wakes up as a believer and by night time they're a disbeliever. Or is a believer in the evening and by morning they're a disbeliever. They sell their religion for a paltry sum of the dunya. And so that's something which no one has a guarantee for. And there are a number of hadith of the Prophet in which we are told not to think that it's a guarantee that you will die upon Islam. 
or that you will have that type of success or that you will just because you were born a Muslim you will die a Muslim or just because you're practicing today that you're going to be practicing tomorrow and I have may Allah Azza wa keep us all safe and steadfast and keep our Iman strong I have come across many people and I know a number of them some of them students of knowledge some of them people who were upon uh, better than me in terms of their knowledge in terms of their religion in terms of their ibadah and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decreed that they wouldn't be upon that one day that they wouldn't be from the people of knowledge that they wouldn't be from the people of good deeds that they wouldn't be from the people of salah and so on and so never take it for granted and that is why when Umm Salama radiallahu anha was asked what is the most common dua that you heard the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam make she said I would often hear him say Ya muqallib al-qulub thabbit qalbi ala deenik or the one who turns the hearts, turn my heart towards your religion, meaning keep me firm and steadfast upon your religion. As the Prophet told us, indeed the hearts of Bani Adam, the hearts of the children of Adam, are between the two fingers of Ar-Rahman. He turns them however he pleases, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's what Anas radiallahu anhu, when he was asked that same question, what is the most common dua you heard the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam make? He said, I would often hear him say, Allahumma atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa qina adhab al which is one of the most comprehensive du'as in our religion. One of the most comprehensive du'as in our religion. Oh Allah, grant me the best of the dunya and the best of the akhirah and save me from the punishment of the fire. What more can you want and what more would you possibly need? And that's why in the Muslim of Imam Ahmad, when the Prophet came across that man who had become extremely sick, extremely ill, extremely weak, the narrator says, or the companion who is narrating it says, to the extent that he looked like a newborn chick, because of how weak and feeble he was. He was a grown man, but he looked and felt like he was a newborn chick, because of how weak he was, how feeble he was. So the Prophet said وسلم, to him, what did you do? What happened to you? He said, oh, well, oh Messenger of Allah, I made dua and I said, oh Allah, if you're going to punish me in the akhirah, don't do so, give it to me in the dunya instead. The punishment that I may have received in the, in the akhirah, bring it forward in the dunya, I don't want the punishment of the akhirah. Which logically, for the believer, makes a level of sense. You know, it makes sense, no doubt the punishment of the akhirah is far worse and far more difficult than the punishment of the dunya. So this man is using that type of logic, but that's not what the sharia orders and commands. doesn't tell you to look like that or think like that or ask for those things. And so the Prophet said to him, Subhanallah, glory be to Allah. And can you bear Allah's punishment, whether in the dunya or the akhirah? That's something to ask for. He said, rather what you should have said is, Allahumma atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa qina adhab al-nar. Oh Allah, give me the best of the dunya, the best of the akhirah. Save me from the punishment of the fire. And then the Prophet made dua for him and the narrator said he was cured or he became better. And the hadith, I think, I believe is in the Muslim of Imam Ahmad rahimahullah ta'ala. So these are, um, these are hadith that speak about this issue. And how Allah Azza wa Jal is saying, al-fawzul kabir. That is the greatest of all success. And that is the success of the akhirah, the success of those people who are able to remain steadfast upon not only iman and tawheed, but upon righteous deeds and the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, fulfilling Allah Azza wa Jal's commands and they live that life of righteousness that at the time of death, those are the people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as he says elsewhere in the Quran, Those who say our Lord is Allah, and then they have istiqama, they're steadfast upon that. What does steadfastness mean when you say our Lord is Allah? 
It means that you put that into action. Your Lord is Allah, so worship Allah, obey Allah, fulfill His commands, stay away from... That's what it means to say my Lord is Allah, not just simply the lip service that unfortunately many of us give where we believe we're Muslims, we believe in Allah, but we don't do the halal and we don't stay away from the haram and we don't fulfill our obligations and we don't learn anything about our religion. We don't. Those are not the people upon istiqamah. And so those who are upon istiqamah, those are the ones that Allah Azza wa Jal blesses in this life and He blesses in the next. May Allah Azza wa Jal make us from amongst those people. May Allah Azza wa Jal keep us and our families firm upon His religion and strong in Iman. May Allah Azza wa Jal give us death upon Iman and resurrect us with the people of Iman and with our Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and grant us the greatest of all success and triumph in the highest levels of Jannah. And with that, inshallah ta'ala, we'll come to the end of today's lesson. As I said, inshallah, next week, QP will begin at 8 p.m. UK time. But remember that the clocks are changing. We go back an hour in the UK this weekend. So for those of you abroad, please factor that in when you're looking at the timings next week. And inshallah ta'ala, we will begin at 8 p.m. next Tuesday, bithinallah ta'ala. Barakallahu feekum wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa alayhi wa sallam wa alayhi wa sallam wa alayhi wa